Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a traveler and writer with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plate slash on our mind. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that was... <laughs> so I was like, I've never started. Yeah. How did it feel? Maybe we try it differently. Yeah. You know, we're trying to find our groove. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Episode five, I feel like we're like, yeah. So we've announced a trailer as yes. of recording this. So it's like out in the world that we're doing this. Yeah, which is fun. Um, I, I actually think we have like what? How many did you say? Twenty listeners. Twenty <laughs> listeners. Thank you so much. Thank to you, those of you, everyone. <laughs> we appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> um, our original twenty listeners. Yeah. Um, that's just a trailer. So who knows? Yeah. Probably by now one more, but... Yeah. Um, I do have a correction for us. Oh, no. What do we do? No. <laughs> it's not that bad. So, I was working on our show notes for the whiskey episode, which yeah. is the episode four, which came out before this. And in that episode, we were both totally not sure what single malt scotch Oh, God. Means. So... Everyone's going to hate us. <laughs> All these... I was, like, talking about how men don't... Like, think that women pretend to like whiskey, oh, and now right. I can just see the flood of comments. Oh, we're going to oh, get no. some mansplainers. That's fine. But, I mean, Yikes. we were saying in that episode how, you know, we were saying we don't know. Yeah. And we made an educated guest, and turns out our educated guest was, was wrong. wrong. <laughs> okay. Because while I was doing our show notes, I just did a little bit more um, research. I was like, let me figure out what this actually means. And to our credit, it is super confusing and misleading. Yeah. So, Didn't we Google it? I yeah, but Google even the it. Googling was confusing. So yeah, I had okay. to do some deep dives, which I did. What did you find, though? What is a single um, And I did link to some of the articles I found in the Whiskey Show Notes. So okay. when people go there, they'll at least get some correct information. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's like a single malt whiskey is a malted whiskey from one distillery. Okay. But then you could have Blended a... is with multiple distilleries. Multiple distilleries. Still malt. Yeah. But... Yeah, a blended yeah. malt. Yeah. But you could have a blended grain. And right. And that's a grain whiskey from multiple distilleries. And a single grain whiskey is distillery. a grain whiskey from one okay. distillery. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But, yeah. um... And then you can have single barrel. And that's, oh. like, literally from the same barrel. And that's why I think those are much more expensive. Probably. Because yeah. they vary from barrel to barrel, they're going to be totally different. Yeah. So I'm sorry if we got that way wrong, and I probably got it We're wrong not again just now. We're not experts. This is beyond our pay grade. We no, just like to drink it. We're just two ladies who like whiskey, and <laughs> so we'll pretend yeah. to be educated on that, but we're not perfect. Who knows? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oopsies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, did you have anything to share? Uh, like, chit-chat, catching up? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I discovered, like, speaking of whiskey and cocktails and whatever, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with whiskey, but I found my drink. I found it, and it's mm-hmm. taken me this long, but it's something I'm not going to be able to order at every bar, right. because not every bar has these ingredients, but okay. if I go to a nice bar, I know what I like now, and I'm going to be ordering it all the time, so... Here it is. Wait, let me pull up this text that Luke just says. <laughs> okay, so it's Campari, Prosecco, and Amaro. 
I have mm-hmm. this at Luca. We've mentioned Luca multiple times. It's a restaurant yeah. in Lancaster. We love it. Love them. Um, and it, they called it the Volcano because the Amaro that they featured in the cocktail mm-hmm. um, is called, um, let me pull it up. There we go. Amaro del Etna, which is like Etna, the volcano in southern Italy in Sicily. Okay. So that is actually a cheaper Amaro on the like whole scale. It was like one of the cheapest ones. And it has like citrus flavor, vanilla, orange mm-hmm. peel, and spices. It's basically like a Negroni, but instead of vermouth, they replace that with Amaro. And it okay. is so good. It's a huh. spritz with that Prosecco. It's refreshing. It has that orangey, like lemony, spicy taste of the Amaro. And it's so, so good. There's no liquor it's just prosecco camparo and campari this, campari and, and this amaro yeah which campari is also technically an amaro is it yeah it's just one of the most well known it must be the vermouth because as soon as they replaced that with the hmm. amaro I was like yes okay. so it was so good so good i went back <laughs> and asked for it again it wasn't even uh-huh. on the menu and i was like you had this thing last yeah. week where you did i bet thing. you could order that specific tomorrow online because you can do that oh, with yeah. the pennsylvania pennsylvania, yeah. <laughs> pennsylvania. <laughs> with our um wine and spirits you can because that's how i get my you can, order you can order it online to be picked up at your local <gasps> store so you should I search for it because they that. actually have a bunch of crazy stuff on there i didn't even know you could order yeah, like that. you didn't used to be able to. You used to have to go into the Wine and Spirits mm-hmm. and order it in person. But now you can order it online. Done. Yeah. And I think they have a bunch of crazy stuff I mean, stuff this like is that. pretty... It's on this... I mean, they have a whole Amaro list at Luca. They're really mm-hmm. into that. Um, for good reason, honestly. Amaros are super interesting. But when I found that it was, like, the cheapest one on their list, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Mm -hmm. I can probably make this. Yeah. Slash, we could probably make a makeshift one of these at, at like, a nice restaurant Mm -hmm. slash bar. Anyway, it it was so good. I literally had my first sip, and I was like, this is my drink. Oh, now I'm going to have to try this. I know. So hopefully the bar at Luca will just... Keep knowing what that recipe right. was, because... They'll retitle it The Lara. Maybe. <laughs> Sounds nothing Italian, but sure. <laughs> sure. Well, that's but, exciting. Yeah. So what's new with you? Um, not much. Not much. <laughs> I was just going to tell you about the whiskey thing. Yeah. But we should probably move on to salty sweets. Yeah, we should. Because we have okay. a lot to cover We've today. chit-chatted. Okay, so I'll go first. Okay. I f- hate when people do this. Um, I had a, I had a sweet planned, but I have yeah. a really exciting project <laughs> and I hate when people do that. They like tease it out and they're like, I can't talk about it right now. But mm-hmm. anyway, I hate to be a tease, but my sweet is this project yeah. I have. And <laughs> ironically enough, I'm going to dive right into the salty because I can already sense the scatterbrainedness that has come with this project. Mm. I'm typically not someone who's scatterbrained. Uh-huh. I don't think I, I, I'm pretty good at, like, keeping my ish together. Like, mm-hmm. I know I have, like, my dates secure. I, I have a calendar. I keep myself organized. So it's super yeah. exciting, but it's also very <laughs> stressful. Yeah, and I literally was at Wegmans yesterday just, like, picking up groceries for the week after school. And my brain, it feels like half my brain is thinking about something mm-hmm. else. And yeah. I don't have enough bandwidth on the other side to like actually function normally. So right. I left Wegmans and I looked at my cart and I was like, 
yeah. I hope this is good because I didn't I, I right. didn't remember really picking any of this stuff up. I just grabbed it. Yeah. And I feel like you're going to have to, if it were me, I would have to look at everything on my plate and say, yeah, this needs to go on the back burner. Exactly. Or if something as simple as what do we eat for dinner, just give yourself permission to order takeout more. Yeah. Or tell Luke, buddy, you're on dinner duty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have the brain space for yeah. this right now. Or, or the time. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, you said you're going to have to push back some social things. Yeah. You can't do everything. It's so hard for me to, like, pick up all these things that seem to be scattered around my life. And yeah, as simple as, like, texting someone back or, like, going to the grocery store. I'm going to... You're right. I'm going to have to find a different way to, like... Well, you'll find some kind of rhythm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, kind of already anxious about it because... Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's like my salty and my sweet combined. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Yeah. And I'm sorry I'm being really vague. That's really annoying. (laughs) You have to, though. I had something else planned. I was like, I could pretend to be really excited about... This is more topical and... It just is so new. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so what's what's your salty and sweet? What okay. are you starting with? I'll start with my salty. Okay. I have to get that out of the way. Um, and it has to do with this episode. So we're talking about London today, yeah. which is exciting. But I shared on my Instagram this week about the Violet Bakery cookbook, which I got so I can make us something, which we'll get to later. Um, so I shared it on Instagram along with a link to my London blog post. Mm-hmm. And so I had that pulled up, and I was just flipping through it, and I thought, oh, let me just reread what I had written about Violet Bakery, about our time there. So I was reading through it, and I got to this part in my paragraph about it, and I thought, I don't remember that. Oh. I was like, am I having a stroke? (laughs) I, honest to God, don't... It was saying something about... Oh, and we talked to the owners about what it's like to run a bakery and how like, it, how it's actually a lot of work. And I thought, I don't... I would have remembered if we talked to them about this stuff. And then there was a link to a spammy website. What? I My blood ran cold and I broke out into a cold sweat. How did that happen? My site got hacked. Yeah. And then yesterday I was checking again. There was another link higher up in my <gasps> London blog post. To something else. It, so someone hacked Someone your blog. from the back end got into my blog. And apparently this is a common thing. And it was so creepy too because it was That's kind so of weird. in my voice. That I thought to myself, this kind of sounds like something I might say. But I don't remember this happening to me or writing it. Whoa. And thankfully I write all of my blog posts in Evernote before I copy them into WordPress. So you so had I went back and double checked. And I, th- and I could see... Where my part had ended and how they just tacked this on. And so I think it's because WordPress recently did this enormous update, which I've been putting off. So I've also just kind of been ignoring plugin updates Mm -hmm. and things like that, which can make your site vulnerable to hacking. So basically this weekend, I need to do some serious cleanup on my site and get rid of all this malicious stuff. I wonder stuff. how many other things they've... I know. And I'm like, do I have to go back and read every single blog post and look for these creepy... 
And it's done in such Links. a malicious way. Yes. It's literally like it's trying so to sneaky. sound like you. Yeah, it's real sneaky. So if any of you read a blog post of mine recently and thought, what the heck is she talking about? And why is this spammy link here? It probably wasn't me. Oh, God. So that was really annoying. And now it's just adding more work to my load about, like, yeah. I can't really do much with my blog until I take care of this. And it's just back-end stuff, and I need to update to the newest version of WordPress, get everything cleaned out. It's really annoying. So, at least I'm you just, caught it. At least I caught it, and I'm glad it wasn't something worse, because, like, yeah. my, my friend Phoebe just posted yesterday, and I think it happened to a few people, that some other plugin got compromised. And I think it's because of the update mm-hmm. that some of these plugins have been kind of abandoned. Yeah, because people don't want the new update because it changes the way that you can actually Exactly, and if they haven't updated their plugin to work with the new WordPress, it's just kind of sitting there and Mm -hmm. can make it vulnerable to attack. So some people had their sites redirecting to Russian porn websites. (gasps) So thank God that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, at least yours is like, here's a bakery cookbook or like whatever it was. Like yours is so innocent. Like it could be a lot worse. Oh my God, that's crazy. But it's so skeevy. Like it is. It's so Ugh. creepy. And it, you know, it's like, I just have a little food blog. Why does anybody care yeah. about putting this in there? But now I feel like I need to check all of my posts. <laughs> well, Although I'm on Squarespace. Your Squarespace is, yeah, I even, after this happened, I thought, should I just completely switch to Squarespace? But Squarespace it's just, it's a super complicated migration and also it's just not actually the best for a food blog. No, yeah. There's um, different plugins and stuff that you need on WordPress. Anyway, yeah. this is all bloggy talk that no one knows about. Unless you are a blogger, in which case, welcome to your people. Because yes. we're both bloggers. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I'll move on to my suite. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you know, I kind of stan for Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. This is something we disagree on. Yeah. But you and I did have a discussion about... Um, how we were both disappointed that she wasn't more vocal mm-hmm. with politics around the time of 2016 and stuff. Yeah, she sort of disappeared. Um, yeah, so even though I stand for Taylor Swift, I was disappointed by that. You yeah. Know, I don't think she's okay. a flawless person. Do you follow her on Instagram? Yes. Are you into, like, the whole conspiracies about her newest posts and stuff? Is that what you're thinking? Am I stealing your thunder? No, Sorry. that's okay. not what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. But we can talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, that was disappointing. And then before the 2018 midterms, she mm-hmm. did post on Instagram and endorsed some Tennessee candidates and encouraged people to vote. And she just kind of laid it out. Like, yeah. here's who I'm voting for. This is what I believe but we all need to vote and make our voices heard. So actually, I have um, a statistic here that in the five-day period following that Instagram post, the vote.org website saw more than 434,000 new registrations, and about 65% of those were people under the age of 30 in five days. power in your platform, baby! So that happened... But then my sweet is that, did you see she wrote this thing, 30 Things I Learned Before Turning 30 for Elle magazine? I haven't read it. It has been on my feed. Did not click because I don't stand Taylor Swift like that. Right. But what are some of the things she learned? So Because you're I, turning 30. Yeah, so that's, part, yeah. I think part of the reason I feel this kinship with her is because we are the same age. Yeah. 
And she grew up 40 minutes down the road from me. So we're in Lebanon and she's from the Reading area. But I didn't like her until... um, 1989? No, the album before that, Red. Yeah. That was when I got really into her. Mm-hmm. I th- Honestly, a lot of it is I think she's interesting. I mean, we can talk about all that another yeah. time. But anyway, what are her 30 things? I fall in the Taylor Swift camp. But I really enjoyed this thing that she wrote, The 30 Things I Learned, because a lot of it was super self-aware and introspective and smart. But then there were also fun things. Like, she talks about washing her face, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, silly things. But some of it was really good. It touched on... Um, the whole snake thing of how mm-hmm. so that was something that people were trolling her online and calling her a snake so then she said that her turning the snake into her brand was basically the um like embodiment of replying to a troll with lol yeah <laughs> so she kind of flipped it on its head and yeah. took control of the situation and stuff like she that she changed she reframed her narrative she did reframe her narrative. <laughs> but this is my ultimate tweet is that one of her things that she learned is um, she says, I'm finding my voice in terms of politics. I took a lot of time educating myself on the political system and the branches of government that are signing off on bills that affect our day to day life. I saw so many issues that put our most vulnerable citizens at risk and felt like I had to speak up to try and help make a change. Only as someone approaching 30 did I feel informed enough to speak about it to my 114 million followers. Invoking racism and provoking fear through thinly veiled messaging is not what I want from our leaders, and I realize that it actually is my responsibility to use my influence against that disgusting rhetoric. I'm going to do more to help. We have a big race coming up next year. Well, that's good. Reading that, I was like, yes. And it also made a lot of sense the fact that she's like I do have a huge voice and I want to make sure that I know what the hell I'm talking about Mm -hmm. so even though better late than never you know I wish she had spoken up a little sooner yeah um I'm glad she's doing it now and I mean she's she's, human like she's human she's only 29 years old and well I don't know when her actual birthday is and not that much of a stand but (laughs) um I don't know either. Yeah, I mean, she's been through a lot in her 30 years of life, and she touched on a lot of those lessons she's learned, even about the whole squad thing, about how Mm -hmm. she realized that she was creating her own clique because um, she used to never feel like she was a popular girl, but now she was doing that same thing to other people, Mm -hmm. and that wasn't her intention, but she realized how it was coming across. So she addresses a lot of her controversies and stuff in this article, which we'll obviously link to in the show notes. Um, but another thing I liked was one of her things was she learned how to make easy cocktails, like old fashions and stuff. And then it just says, because 2016. And I was like, girl, relatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know that's kind of like a silly thing, but I do no, love cool. Taylor Swift and that I was disappointed in her in that way. So it yeah. just makes me happy that she's coming through. Cool. What else are we moving on to the real business now? Yeah, let's get on let's get on to it. Okay. <laughs> or pan on as what? they say in London. The what? Pan on. Oh, what does that mean? Like go on. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They said it in Peaky Blinders. Mm. Luke and I say it all the time. Okay. <laughs> 
I was gonna make us try to do accents on this, but I'm so bad at them. What's your like? Just say like a sentence. Say anything. In what? In an accent, a British accent. Oh your my best God. British accent. Yeah, I was saying when we were it's in not London, Leo Saul. I just kept Saul. saying, "Airy Potter, Airy <laughs> Potter." You're saying like Airy. Yeah, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, or I kept saying, Powage. <laughs> I like your R's W's. <laughs> well, I'm really bad at it. Well, we lost all of our British listeners. Yeah. Which we probably don't have any. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, oh but God. I'm just really bad at accents. Rabber can do it, but I, I'm not. I listen to enough... British crime shows that mm. I feel like I could if if I if I heard someone say it I could mm. parrot it back like yeah maybe parrot but like yeah I would be yeah. better at that or if I'm watching a British TV show then yeah. I sometimes talk to myself in my head yes like have that. you watched Harlots I haven't no oh you would like it I'm set watching in the London. fall right now which is a set in Ireland and oh. it's so good mm. yeah Harlots is set in London in the 1700s awesome it's have you seen peaky blinders no you would like peaky blinders you just have to get yeah. past the first episode okay anyway so we're talking about london today yeah because <laughs> we both have been there uh-huh. um when did you go to london um at the end of 2017 we ended up going to london because robert's cousin got married at stonehenge and we went to photograph it. Sick. Which was awesome. Yeah. So since we were going over that way for that, we just went for a two-week-long trip. And um, we only spent four days in London, but that was our longest portion of the trip. Because mm-hmm. we did London, Wales, and then Salisbury, England, because that was right outside where Stonehenge is. And then we did Amsterdam and Bruges. Great trip. Yeah, it was so good. Um, But London, I mean, London had been on my, like, bucket list, but it wasn't super high on there. It was getting higher over the last couple years because I feel like I kept hearing things from people who kind of similarly went to London and just, they weren't going there because they were dying to. It just Mm -hmm. kind of, by circumstance, ended up going, and then they loved it. So I thought, I should go there. And then we did. And same thing. Yeah. Robert and I loved London yeah. so much. Maybe, yeah, maybe, like, the food culture over in London has changed over the past 10 years. But mm. I was reading so many yeah. older, like, guidebooks that were like, well, London isn't quite the foodie place. Yeah. I had the opposite feeling. Yeah, it did, I think... England in general has a reputation for not having good food. I think but some now, great restaurants. Yeah, London. Yeah. Oh my God, there were we'll so get, many good restaurants. We'll, we'll talk about that for sure. Mm-hmm. I went to London this past summer. I was there for ten days, and then we went to the Cotswolds. So we drove out mm-hmm. and we went to um, Corsham, where we stayed at like this B and B, and then we sort of drove all around the countryside through these like really tiny little towns and then we went to bath and then we went to oxford as well and then that sort of like loop and then we flew back out from london Mm -hmm. but um i i always wanted to go to london i don't know what i i always think it's because of harry potter (laughs) because (laughs) harry you are a wizard harry but like i always loved harry potter and i knew that it was a you know an english or united Mm -hmm. kingdom 
setting, and obviously yeah. there are parts of it that are set in London. And when we first went abroad, I guess we had the opportunity to go to London, but we chose to go to Scotland instead. No regrets there. Freaking loved Scotland. But yeah. um, I always sort of, like, look back and I think, why didn't I go to London? It was one of the first places I ever wanted to go, even before I really got into travel. Like, mm-hmm. I used to tell my my Grammy that I wanted to, like... I'm going to live in London when I get older. I'm going to graduate college. I'm going to live in London. I'm going to be right by Big Ben. Like, mm-hmm. that was the dream. And I didn't go until I was, like, 27. So yeah. it took me quite a bit until I got there. Mm-hmm. Awesome trip. Oh, one of yeah. one of my favorites, for sure, because we had enough time to actually, like, explore the city. And we just, we were so stoked to be there. So, yeah. Um, Today we're going to make gin and tonics. Yes. And Sarah made something from the Violet Bakery cookbook. So, yeah, here, let me yeah. just tell you that. What did so you we make? Start snacking. Um, so, yeah, I just picked up this Violet Bakery cookbook specifically for this episode. It was a good excuse. You're for like, me. here's my excuse yeah. to get this book. Yeah. Which, it's a beautiful book. Oh, my God. And the... how does this relate to London or England? Oh, yeah. So, Violet, I think it. I don't know if it's called the Violet Bakery or Violet Cakes. Okay. I've seen it called both things. I'm not sure what it... I don't know. It's Violet. Whatever. Um, So the woman who runs this bakery is actually American. She used to work at Chez Panisse in California with Alice Waters. And then she moved out to London and opened this bakery. And it's been pretty popular for several years. But she uses a lot of different flowers and interesting um flavors and stuff like i had a tahini halva brownie when we went um so a lot of different influences in her baking um and then they were the ones who made the cake for megan and harry really you didn't know that no i didn't yeah they picked violet to do their wedding cake. i mean yes so now that's really a big deal there are some real diehard British royalty stands mm-hmm. who are... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not me, but... I do love Meghan and Harry, though. Because... I, yeah, whatever. It's the... I yeah. I love the Queen. Oh! <laughs> Let me just say that. Really? <laughs> Have you watched... Um, oh, my God. The Netflix show. Oh, The, the Crown. Crown? I started it. And just then, keep watching. Yeah, I need to... I do a love the boss. woman who plays her. Oh, Claire, Claire Foy. Foy. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. I mean, that's amazing. That is a big yeah. deal. Um, and yeah, it's just this cute little place. When we walked there, we walked... It's in the most random spot. And we walked through a lot of residential areas of London. It's actually one of my favorite days was just walking there. Because mm-hmm. we... It might have been like a two-mile walk or something. We just meandered our way over... And we just found all these cute little pockets of London. And then we ate at this little bakery and had coffee and treats and stuff. Um, And then went on our way. But I made for us the Violet Butterscotch Blondie, which I think is kind of famous from them. And I did find a link to it online, so I'll link to the recipe in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, But you make these caramel shards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, to put in them. So it's almost like toffee, but they're a little chewier. So mm-hmm. that's why they have these pockets of gooey 
chewy caramel stuff. Um, so I made them, and yet yeah, they're called the butterscotch blondie, which for the first part of this recipe, you whisk together eggs, sugar, vanilla, and then melted butter. And I took my whisk out and I just like took oh, a little taste. It's probably heavenly. It tasted straight up like butterscotch. Yum. Yeah. So. Well, I love really any good. caramely, gooey. Yeah. So like, these toffee. are very good. Um, they have the caramel shards and then milk chocolate in them. Mm. If you taste any, if you find anything weird in it, it's just the wax wrapper of the <laughs> butter. <laughs> Um, whoops, because I, hopefully the piece I ate last night was the only one that had it. <laughs> Don't you hate when you make something and you're like, yeah, of course I'm the one that found this. You're like, I hope no one else gets it. I know. I, like that. hopefully I looked out and ate the only piece with it last night, but I was eating it. And I was like, what is that? And it was, yeah, it was just a little piece <laughs> of the wax butter paper that never came off the butter and somehow got baked into I it. I mean, to whatever. It's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> so Sarah made that, and I'm going to make us gin and tonics. Um, so you're the gin and tonic lover. I only yeah. started to appreciate them when I went to England. I, well, I always, my parents really aren't big drinkers, at least from my, like, adult memory. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom used to drink wine more regularly, but then she started to go through early menopause when she had breast cancer, and mm. she had to take medication. Long story short, the only time I ever saw my dad drink was when we would go to a nice restaurant like once a year. Oh wow. And he would get a gin and tonic. The British didn't make gin. Mm-hmm. It was made in Holland as a medicinal thing first. Okay. Then the Dutch and the British like they were fighting and stuff. We have like issues. <laughs> and then they take this from that whole time that they were in like part of Holland mm-hmm. and basically they started to have their own distilleries and it was used for medicinal stuff. Um and then I'm no, I'm not gonna say it right, but as the British started to colonize India, um, they started to use like Rangur, Rangpur limes as well as quinine. Quinine. <laughs> I I knew I was gonna f that up, but anyway, but that's a big deal because um, that was actually part of like when they went to the warmer climates. The that was bark, and then it was used to like fight off diseases and stuff okay so anyway when we went to london we had an awesome bartender we were saying we don't know anything about gin and tonics we just order them whatever yeah teach us and he more or less walked us through like the different qualities of gin and we were talking earlier but one thing i love about what they do over there is they give you the glass with the gin and your little garnish Mm -hmm. that goes with the you know the different notes of it and then they'll give you a little cute bottle of the tonic and yeah. you add the tonic to your taste, like whatever you right. want. Mm-hmm. So you can taste the gin first if you would like, or you could also just go right in and add whatever flavoring you want. So today we're going to make like two different things. I haven't made them yet. This is the first time I'm making them because <laughs> why not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is there, if you aren't doing the thing where you give a little bottle of tonic to somebody is there a good ratio of gin to tonic? I've been told, like, one to three parts. Oh, okay. But I think it all depends on what you want. One part gin, three parts tonic. Yes. That's what, okay. I've, that's what I've read. Okay. I've always just eyeballed it and, mm-hmm. you know, do what you yeah. need to do. But that's what I've seen online. You don't shake it. 
You don't need anything. You just fill up a glass with ice, nice and tall. Right. You're supposed to have, like, chilled glasses, whatever. Um, and then you just one parts, one part gin, three mm-hmm. parts tonic. Okay. Um, and then the thing that we really liked that that bartender showed us was talking about how the different flavors, you can really play up certain things depending on what garnishes you put with it. So mm-hmm. we have a elderflower tonic water, which is so cute. We ordered this on Amazon. Right? Yeah. So I ordered these because the gin and tonic that really made me like them mm-hmm. was actually one I had in Salisbury, England, where I think they did even give me, it was a little glass bottle of yeah. the elderflower tonic by Fever Tree. And that one was garnished with apple Ooh, and something that. else. Yeah. Um, and this place had a whole huge, like, menu of gin and tonic options with different garnishes and different kinds of because there's also lemon tonic you can get Mm -hmm. so it's a different gin different tonic whatever so I got the one that was apple with the elderflower love that and I think that is kind of a classic combo over there they like Um, to yeah like a bright or like a fresh mm -hmm. thing with it and it was really good and I think that's why I've never really liked gin and tonics because the only time I've ever gotten them is when you're at kind of the dingy bar. The dingy bar where yeah. you don't know what to get. So then you order a gin and tonic, but it comes in like a plastic cup. And it's just a whatever water they have. And yeah. some crappy tonic water just plopped in there yeah. with some ice. And I've just never liked them that I, much. Yeah, I had a similar experience with, um, they put rosemary. And they also did one with for Luke that was more of like a peppery, like heavily spiced mm, one. And okay. they put actual peppercorns in there. It was really good. That's cool. Now, I didn't get peppercorns for us today, but I did get rosemary to go with the elderberry. I think that would be a good combo because, mm. I don't know, if it's fresh. And then we'll do that with, like, a classic. I don't know. This is Because gins nothing can crazy. also vary a lot oh, in for their sure. flavoring depending on what they're um, made yes. with. So this is, like, pretty neutral. It's a just New Amsterdam gin. Mm-hmm. Does that say anything about the flavor notes? Um, It's... No, not really. It says a crisp, clean taste. So okay. No other... It's a neutral... A 100% pure grain neutral spirits. So... <laughs> uh, I think we're pretty generic okay. here. And then uh, you have one, or Robert had one that we're using. Yeah, he just... He's been getting more into gin lately, and he picked that up one day. I mean, this this looks great. Um, How do you say it? Tang... Tangeray or Tang... Tangeray? Tang- yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but this is uh, rank pour. So this has like limes in it already. So we could also mm-hmm. just add a little extra lime to that because it's always okay. nice to have a good zip. Nice. Um, and then we have with that, um, I picked us up an Indian tonic water. So this is going to be a little bit more. I don't know if it'll be super spiced, but it'll have something. Oh to yeah. It. So is that yeah. different than? So this is also Fever Tree. It's mm-hmm. their Indian tonic. Yeah. And they also had a Mediterranean option, which I considered Mediterranean tonic, but that was more floral. Uh Uh-huh. So I I don't know. I was thinking about, well, we have elderflower. Let's try something different. Okay. Anyway, we're going to make two different cocktails, and we're going to try these beautiful blondies with the caramel shards. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just going to eyeball this. Okay. Okay. Isn't it the... Thistle Finch in Lancaster, their gin is super, mm-hmm. like, spearminty. Yeah. Which it's, I like. I feel like if you just get 
if you I, if I were to order anything at Thistle Finch, it would probably be a gin and tonic with like some sort of way that they're gonna spin it. I should try that there sometime. This is an interesting. You smell like a, almost like a ginger flavor to it. All right, well, we <laughs> right, go exactly according to plan. Which one do you want to try? I'm gonna try. Why don't I'll try the one with this, regular tonic first. Yeah. Oh, the, wait. That's. Wait, no. Yeah, this one. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, this is delicious. Oh, did the you try it by itself? Elderflower. Yeah. That's good. Okay. That just tastes like a gin and tonic to me, but good. Okay. So that has the the yes. rang per. Yes. Okay. So now I'm trying the. Elderflower. Yeah, this has like a pretty generic. Yeah, the elderflower one's more my speed. Yeah. Because it's very floral, mm-hmm. sweeter. It doesn't have as much bitterness as the more standard one. Yeah. We can They're both good, though. on this, though, while we record talking about London. Get some rosemary in there. If you want more, here. No, honestly, it's not even really that I have a strong love of the flavor of gin, to be mm-hmm. honest. It's just that, like, memory of seeing my dad ordering that. Oh, that's interesting. It's like a little kinship thing, I guess. Like, just feel... Yeah. Like, sometimes when we go out together, we'll order a gin and tonic, and mm-hmm. I'm like, solid. <laughs> I see you, Dad. Yeah. You know? But it was a really cool experience having that bartender show us sort of, like, the in- the inner workings of how, a, like, a gin and tonic works. Yeah. Of course, their selection of gins was crazy. Mm-hmm. And they had all the different little cute tonic waters to choose from, which was awesome. Yeah. Which is much harder to find here than Oh, for over sure. There. I was surprised even our local grocery store had this. Yeah, they you have know? gotten more of this stuff. But the elderflower stuff I ordered off Amazon technically came from the UK. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like, that's an, you're not finding that here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be like the new cocktails soon and then we'll have tons of tonics to choose from. But. Yeah. What do you think of the blondie? It's amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, this is like, this is like my, my thing for sure. Yeah. It kind of is almost like the best shortbread cookie you've ever had in your entire mm-hmm. life with toffee in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've tasted the chocolate in my first bite, but I did it in my second bite. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It was almost more like a cookie bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But where the cookie blondie part is really, really good. It's so buttery, too. Mm-hmm. It did have a lot of butter. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to try your main yeah. one again. <laughs> now you? Gilmore wants some. Sorry, buddy. Want a G&T? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. Where did we each stay? What would we recommend? Why don't you talk about yours first? Because I don't really have... I wrote, I have a blog post where I wrote down, like, where I would recommend to stay. We didn't stay in those places because we went cheap. So, mm. okay. anyway, if you have a recommendation, which sounds like you do. Yeah, so we got an Airbnb, which was in the Shoreditch neighborhood. Ooh, the Brooklyn of... Yeah. yeah. Which was the I, hipster side. I forget how we even ended up getting a place in that neighborhood specifically, except that... It's a cool part. I think I had maybe just bookmarked a lot of places there, and then the prices were good in that neighborhood, so we went there. Um, 
But it was cool because our Airbnb hosts have a bunch of properties in that neighborhood right there. Mm -hmm. And then they also own a little coffee shop called Bellboy. And so if you're early for your check-in, like we were, you can rent a locker from them for five pounds or whatever it's called. To drop your stuff off. And you just put your suitcases in there at the coffee shop and go about your business and then come back. That's awesome. And it was around the corner from our apartment. That's Um, such a good setup because I can't tell you how many times, especially for Airbnb, it's like you arrive a little too early for check-in and you're like, what do I do with all my crap? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And um, yeah, so that was really convenient and they were really nice. And then it was also really easy to contact them because it seemed like their coffee shop was open from... 7 a.m. to, like, 10 p.m. Awesome. So we could always just pop in there if anything came up or mm-hmm. whatever. The apartment itself, nothing special, but we just needed a crash pad. and Yeah. Um, we had our two friends actually came and stayed our last night with us, so the couch had a pullout that they could stay on. Um, but I'll link to it in our show notes. I mean, we were really happy with it, and we mm-hmm. loved the area it was in. Shortage the price really was cool. good. You know, I, one thing I said, like, if you're going to London, you should definitely try to find your lodgings in the neighborhood slash tube stop that you want to explore most, or you want to be like the closest to, because, Mm -hmm. um, there are cheap alternatives outside of the city, but unless you want to spend your whole time in and out of the train or the Mm -hmm. tube, like, it's just not worth it. It's way more worth it to find a place in the neighborhood that you're looking for. Yeah. And, of course, you're going to find high-end stuff and low-end stuff wherever you go. Okay, London versus other cities we've been to. Man. Well, we loved it. Um, same. Robert and I said that London felt to us like if Paris and Philly had a baby. Yeah. There because, is a Philly sort of feel to it. Yeah, because it's got that old charm of an old city, which not, we don't have in America. Um, so it had that oldness that a city like Paris has and that, you know, kind of foreign feel for us. But it was way more diverse and way more chill. Like, it wasn't like New York City where you feel... Hectic. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel... Have that frantic energy. It's way more chill. And the people there, in England in general, so friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, we were blown away by how warm people were. Because mm-hmm. the British actually have a pretty big... Um, people think that they're often very cold or like they're yeah, hard to connect to. Yeah, which is surprising to me. Yeah. Um, I found that they weren't necessarily the most outgoing type, but if you sort of open the door towards them, that's mm-hmm. when, like, you have to be the person who sort of presses the conversation. Okay. And then from there, it's totally normal. And maybe that was why, because maybe Robert and I are a little more like trying to, mm-hmm. especially when you're traveling with one other person for so long oh, yeah, and then you interact with the server and you want to kind of talk to them and yeah, like, yeah. Hey, are you hanging out with yeah. us? Yeah. Um, but we just got this sense from them that they really wanted us to be having a great time and were happy to talk to us and everything. Yeah. Because we, on that same trip, we were also in Amsterdam and Bruges and whatever. Excuse me. And um, those people were friendly, but they didn't have the warmth that mm-hmm. the English people had. And then when we were also in Salisbury in England, our Airbnb host, because in those in that city we stayed 
like, in a private room in someone's house. The nicest people. Mm -hmm. They were just so nice. And, I mean, a lot of Airbnb hosts, no matter where you go, are usually like that. Um, But we were just blown away by it. And then I think for us, too, it's also that familiarity with the language. Which takes just a layer of anxiety off of your traveling. Definitely. So that helped a lot, too. So... Um, one of the reasons why we like were on such a high in London is because the summer before that we went to China, which was oh, a really challenging trip. Yeah. We were there for so long and it was like a super emotionally taxing experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing one. I look back at it now. I'm like, I'm so glad we did that, but it was exhausting. It wasn't like a vacation by any means. Mm-hmm. And this felt like the easiest, breeziest trip of our yes. life because they mm-hmm. spoke the language. Mm-hmm. They were incredibly polite. Yeah. They were clean for the, yeah, most, part. the, city, for the most part. But the city seemed very clean and systematically nice. organized. Yeah. On time. Easy to get around. Yes. And also the the food and the like multicultural mm-hmm. neighborhoods and Oh yeah. It was amazing. It was like if I I do like relating it to Philly cuz mm-hmm. it is like that sort of urban vibe in certain areas. Right. But then you go to, like, the quieter parts of, like, Notting Hill or Soho mm-hmm. or wherever. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, London. This <laughs> is London that we're in. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was such a great mix of great food, great people. Yeah. Awesome experiences. Stuff that I had been thinking I wanted to do since I was in, f- like, first mm-hmm. grade. Yeah. So doing that. And it's it's incredibly easy to move around in, too. Yeah. So... It was, like, the easiest, breeziest trip. Yeah. Great starter trip for anyone who's, like, That's never been abroad. That's what I was abroad. telling my parents. Is yeah. Because, well, now they've been to Italy, but they almost went to London instead for yeah. the first trip to Europe. It's a great soft launch. Yeah, Into, it like, is. international <laughs> travel. Um, but, like, you were saying about the food. Yes, like, let's When talk we went to Paris, it's, like, you need to pick a spot and go you can't just wander into a place in Paris, or it might be No, that's terrible. how Italy is. Yeah. We talked about that in one of our earlier episodes, but you need to plan your time there. Right. And in London, we found that it was a little more that you could just stumble on a place mm-hmm. and go in, and it would be amazing. Yep. And I don't know if it was just the neighborhoods we were in or what, but yeah, it was really good food, and like you said, all different cultures Anything and stuff want. represented in the course yeah. of three blocks. Anything you want. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, let's like skip right over it. Let's talk about the food. Okay. Because I, I can't even tell you. Like, <laughs> there are so many places. We both listed Dishoom as yes. like must go. Which is Indian. Yes. And so, yeah, it's very famous. There's a couple locations. Yes. There was one in Shoreditch. Is that the one you went to? Um, We, I don't think we, no, we did go, we actually went twice. We went to one in Shoreditch <laughs> and then we went to one, um, near the shopping like high street i forget where that was but okay um they both had a that vibe to it like that oh it's beautiful but, inside yeah but the stylish bar, and oh, yeah, very you, unique you feel yeah. like you've stepped into yes. india also i don't know if you had to wait in line for dishoom but we did for both places and both times they offered us tea Oh. If we were, like, waiting and the bar was full. And if the oh. bar became empty, you could go there and order We waited drinks. at the bar and ordered it drinks. Was awesome. But I think before our drinks even got to us at the bar, our table was ready. 
We we had to wait quite a bit. Maybe it was because yeah. like summer. And I think the we went nice. kind of early in the evening. Yeah. But yeah, the shortage one was not too far of a walk from our Airbnb. I think we went on our first night. It's, it's our first so big good. dinner we did. And honestly, like Robert and I both can't really eat spicy food. So we picked stuff that was much more mild. And honestly, it was even a little too spicy for us. But even still, it was so good. And our drinks were really good. Oh, yeah. We loved our drinks. And the non-flatbread, mm-hmm. it, it was just so, so good. And the, the service was great there. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It's, we loved it. It was heavily recommended to us before we went. And it's been like, it's all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm a big I'm a big planner according to Instagram. It's sort of like my second way that I sort of prep for a trip is to go on Instagram and start following accounts and Dishim mm-hmm. is everywhere, but it lives up to the hype and then some cuz the food was just like that good. Yeah. Like really that good. You have to go to Dishim. Wait, it's worth it. Um the second place I would definitely recommend is to go to Borough Market. You went there as well, right? Yeah. Okay. I I, I feel like I didn't have the best experience there just because it's so big. It is. And I think when we went, we weren't that hungry. We went at kind of a weird time. So it was that decision fatigue. We Mm -hmm. didn't know what to get. We wanted everything. So we actually ended up just getting some really good cheese and some really good bread and a couple snacks. What else do you need? And it was amazing. I think we got like an aged Gouda and then this walnut bread, Mm. which I could have eaten that bread and that cheese all day long. So that was amazing. And we did sample some things at other places. But if I went back to London, I'd probably go hang out there for like a whole day. I'm telling you <laughs> that if you want a life-changing magical grilled cheese, oh, you have to go back. Okay. We It's one of the... I don't know which way we came into the market, but it was the first one that we saw when we walked in. And there was a huge line. Oh, we were like, oh, that place sign. has got to be good. Mm-hmm. But we didn't feel like waiting. Mm. So the first time we went to Borough Market, we didn't even go. Yeah. And then we we were, I forget, we were like sightseeing in the area because it's near the South Bank where like you can go see the Tower of London and there's, yeah. if you keep walking down, you'll um, see Shakespeare's Globe and there's a lot to see down there mm-hmm. and it's sort of one of the stops that's nearby and I remember we were just like, oh, let's just go to back to Borough Market and then we got this grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. What was on it? Oh my God, it was so Luke made an Instagram post solely about this grilled cheese because it was <laughs> that good. So I'm going to pull that up. Okay. But this grilled cheese was by um, this, uh, I think they're a farm called Kappa Kaysen. It was, uh, yeah, it was a da- it's a dairy farm. Um, and it's a mixture of Montgomery Cheddar, Comte, Shield, and London Reclet. Wow. Yeah. And nothing else on it though? Just cheese? Cheese, bread, butter. Huh. But I'm telling you... Sounds good, though. Game-changing. So good. <laughs> We've been, and How long were you guys in London for? Ten days. Oh, yeah. okay. Dang. So we were there for a little. Dang. A little bit. But... Jeez. I think we... I think it's one of those things where you have the places you want to go to eat, especially, but if you're in the area of a place that you already know is good... Mm-hmm. You kind of have that temptation to go back, especially like a market like that, because there are so many options. The first time we went, I think we got, I don't know, some kind of Middle Eastern food, like a falafel okay. or something. Mm-hmm. It's good. But we went back, 
and then we got the grilled cheese, and we were like, so glad we did that. Also, Breda Head is there, and they're really famous for their donuts. Yeah, my friend Michelle, who has the blog Hummingbird High, mm-hmm. she just posted the Breda yeah, Head the donut Duke, recipe. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's from their cookbook. cooking class. They have cooking classes there, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, she went and had bought their cookbook. Yum. So she just, I'll link to her recipe for their donuts. Yeah. Um, we both also recommended Franco Manca Pizza, which oh, that so was good. one place we almost hit up more than once because there are several around the city. They're all over now. I don't know. Maybe they just have taken off, but there you, if you take, mm-hmm. go off the subway or sorry, the tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you get off the tube anywhere, you're close to a Franco Manca mm-hmm. or Manca. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was. One of my favorite meals that we had there. So good. Um, so it's a sourdough pizza, like wood-fired oven or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's sourdough. Um, but it was also our cheapest meal. Because mm-hmm. Robert and I went, we went for lunch. We didn't get anything to drink. We just ordered their margarita pie. And it was eight, eight euro or and whatever, eight pounds. Eating in London can get expensive. So if you find yeah. a cheap place... And it was on, I think, our second day or something. Um, but it was honestly one of the best pizzas I've ever had. I was, I, we went because I had written it down as a recommendation. But when we were actually eating it, we were kind of like, oh my God, this Same. is so good. Uh, maybe it was your blog post that I had referenced to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, we, if you Because I did definitely yet. tell you guys to go there. Yeah. And it was everywhere. And we were just like, well, I guess we'll just try this out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even that busy when we first originally went. Yeah. So good. It was really good. So good. Uh, however, since we are passports and pizza, I have to mm-hmm. say, I asked a Brit where the best pizza is, mm-hmm. and Franco Franco Manca came up. But they also were like, but I think the best pizza is mm-hmm. at Pizza Pilgrims. So, okay. Pizza Pilgrims. <laughs> we went to, um, and it sort of has like a, it's like your sort of middle school fantasy of like going to an arcade pizza place. Okay. Like they have um, pinball games and a foosball table and like, it's sort of what Pizza Hut wishes it was in the, <laughs> you know, early 2000s, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say they're very similar to each other. I don't think that they're sourdough, mm-hmm. but um, it was delicious. I don't think it tops Franco Manca to me, but Pizza Pilgrims was delicious. They had more of, like, I guess, Americanized, like-ish menu, Mm -hmm. while Franco Manca was more, like, traditional Italian sort of pizzeria style. Yeah. Um, But it was really great. So if you're craving, like, a piece of pizza, go for it. But try it for yourself. Pizza Pilgrims versus Franco Manca. But Mm -hmm. anyway... Your other recommendations for food? Um, so I already talked about Violet. You should definitely go there to the bakery. Another one of our favorites was one that wasn't on my list, but it was one night where we just could not figure out where we wanted to eat, what we were in the mood for. It was just, you know, where you're just sitting in your Airbnb, like, like what are we scrolling Yelp, yeah. and you cannot make a decision. So I found this place. I don't know how to pronounce it. I say oklava. It might be oklava. I'm not sure. Oklava. It's a Turkish tapas restaurant. Ooh. And so we went and we knew we might not get in. We're like, whatever, we'll go try. If we can't get in, we'll just pick whatever is near it. We don't care. So we got there and they said, well, if you can wait maybe 20 minutes, we can get you a seat at the bar. Done. Which is the bar that 
it's basically like the chef's table, like mm-hmm. watching the kitchen make stuff. Um, so we said, yeah, sure, we'll wait. And we just kind of waited outside and they got this, um, two seats ready for us. And, you know, it's tapas, so you're ordering kind of a lot because it's small plates, which was great because we had no idea what Turkish food was yeah. like. So we could just it's a great way to try, try something. You're not really, like, committing to it, like, this is the only thing I'm eating tonight. So we tried several different things, and it was all amazing. We had bread with this date butter on it. Um, we had what they called a pumpkin flatbread, um, which was... To me, more looked almost like a stromboli that was split open in the middle. Okay. And it had it straight up egg yolk just sitting on it. It was so good. And I had a whiskey cocktail that had something with pomegranate in it and then fresh oregano. Ooh. So it had one of those yes. big fat ice cubes and this little mound of fresh oregano sat on top of the ice cube outside of the drink okay so, so you're like, smelling that as so, you're taking yeah, a sip yeah you just Ooh, smell it as so you, good i didn't know what to think but um i thought whatever this whole meal is going to be interesting it's a whiskey cocktail i like the sound of everything in it i don't know how it's going to work together but i'll order it it was so good you would have loved it wow that sounds so good yeah and i then, love i love that like mediterranean turkish uh, yeah it was Oof, everything was so, so fresh oh yeah we also got um, I think it was lamb, but it was like these cubes of lamb that were caramelized on the outside with a pomegranate glaze. Mm. Oh my God. So then shortly after we got back from that trip, I don't know how I discovered it, but they had just come out with a cookbook. Amazing. So I have that here so I could show you. So obviously I ordered it like immediately. You're like, I know that place. Yeah. Um, and it has recipes for the flatbreads and stuff in it, which is, that's what's on the cover. That's what they look so like. good. Um, so it looks we'll, like a non-pizza stromboli with deliciousness yeah, it's almost like coming a, out of it's it. It's like a canoe of yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's a boat. It's a boat. It's <laughs> yeah. a bread boat. Yeah, and it was delicious. Um, we have made, we made a version of a salad from here. Oh, yeah. Because um, they have this recipe in here for this feta dressing. That's basically just, it's feta... Garlic, oregano, honey, lemon juice, olive oil, and water. Sounds just great. blitz it all up in your food processor, and it's this creamy feta mm. salad dressing. It's Sounds really good. so good. So I would recommend getting a reservation there. Yeah. And also the cookbook. It's really good. Similarly, we found a tapas place near Columbia Market called Marito, and it was a traditional tapas place, but done so well. Mm-hmm. We had quail eggs with paprika. Oh. The tiniest little eggs you've ever seen in your entire life. Mm-hmm. So good. Like, how were the eggs cooked? Just, like, a nice little, like, soft boil. Like, I oh, don't okay. even know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you timed that, because they were so tiny. You probably cooked them for, like, a minute Yeah, and like, half. 30 seconds. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was delicious. We got, uh, we also got um, this heavily spiced lamb chop. So mm. delicious. It was a very small place, but... That there, it was in this very cool like walking pedestrian area where you could just see if it was a Friday night, a Saturday, actually any day in London really. Mm-hmm. After work, like everyone comes here, you walk around, you sort of go place to place, you drink, you eat. But it was amazing. So um, that place was called Marito. Did mm-hmm. you have chips and uh, fish and chips when you were in London? 
We did, but I think only once. Yeah. It was at, and it was nice because um, it was a rainy afternoon and we just dropped into the closest pub that looked yeah. nice. And we got fish and chips and this really amazing, like, sweet potato corn chowder soup. Yeah. Um, Robert got a beer on a rainy day. Yeah, it was really good. It was called the Marquis of Westminster. We tried to do as many fish and chips places as we could. We discovered mm-hmm. some pretty good ones outside of London, but the only one we went to was called this place called the Chipping Forecast, which was pretty good. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like people think of London as fish and chips and mm-hmm. pub food and really unhealthy, like, homey yeah. Dishes that are really unhealthy (laughs) or fried or, like, something. And I honestly was just blown away because there was so many options. It was crazy. Like, we didn't actually eat a ton of that when we were there. No. We didn't either. Unless we were actively seeking that out, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think if you're worried about your time in London being, like, Mm -hmm. kind of unhealthy or... I don't know. If you're thinking it's just British pub food, it's so much more than that. So... The other not. Um, place that we loved, and this was my other main food recommendation, was Rochelle Canteen, which you guys didn't get to, did Mm-mm. you? So this was not far from our Airbnb either, maybe a miles walk or something. And so it's in what used to be a school, but That's it's now cool. like an apartment building, but then part of it is this little restaurant, Rochelle Canteen. Um, but it's in a courtyard so there's, um, like, a big, like, brick wall surrounding the whole thing in the neighborhood. And it is a, in a really cute little spot. So you actually have to hit a buzzer on the door. Epic. Is it, like, a <laughs> hidden place? It is. And That's so cool. Because um, I think the first day we maybe... Oh, yeah. The first day we actually got in, um, and they were in that in-between time between breakfast and lunch, so they weren't really open. Mm-hmm. They were like, we could give you some tea, but we said, no, like, we really need to eat something. We'll just come back tomorrow. Um, but you have to hit this buzzer for them to open the door into the courtyard so you can get in, but we didn't really know that. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> I forget. I think we only found out when we actually ate there, but the second day when we tried to get in, because I think we went in, like, behind someone the first day, because people who live in those apartments are constantly going in and out. Mm-hmm. So then the next day, there was another side door down the street. And someone went in that way and we slipped in behind them. Like, <laughs> so we basically snuck in both times we got there. <laughs> um, but they said, yeah, you just ring the buzzer. Sometimes they don't hear it right away, so just ring right. it again. Um, but they were super nice. But this place had a very limited menu. It's more of a breakfast and lunch spot, but they occasionally have dinner that is kind of like reservation only, I think, Mm -hmm. because it's very small. I think it's technically in what used to be this small cafeteria of this school, Um, but we just went for breakfast and we got basically just eggs, bacon, and toast. It was... The best breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. And so then I I think Robert got green tea and I got a fresh pressed juice, Um, but these eggs, the yolks were straight up orange that we actually asked, like, are these duck eggs or something? And she said, no, they're just local chicken eggs, but they're super fresh and super local. Yeah. So we were like, you will never see an egg this color in America. Never. <laughs> and Unless so, it's your own or something like that. Yeah. And then the bacon was this really thick bacon. I think they might have called it something else. Um, 
and they served it with brown sauce. <laughs> Have you heard of that? No. It's almost like we tried some of it with it, but um, what, what is it? It seemed almost like a sweeter ketchup, almost like a ketchupy barbecue saucy. Oh, thing. I know what you're talking about. I wasn't the biggest fan. Yeah. But then the bread with it. I haven't had it, but it's just something about it. Yeah, it wasn't trust. for me. Yeah. Um, and the bread there was homemade, nice, crusty, thick toast. And then we asked, yeah, do you have any jam? And they bring out these two, like, mason jars of homemade jam. Of course. Um, I forget. It was, like, apricot and, um, like, plum or something. And they were, like, the best jams we've ever had. <laughs> so Robert and I were just sitting there thinking, this is such a simple meal. But it's, like, Done every so element well. of it was perfection. Yeah. And we were basically the only people eating there. So it felt like we were almost at someone's house eating breakfast, looking out on this beautiful courtyard in the middle of London. And we were just, like, where are we? <laughs> yeah, like, what? Is, what is this? Yeah. yeah. So that was one of our favorite places. That's cool. That, yeah, if I went back to London, I would for sure go back there yeah we didn't we didn't hit that up but it sounds great Mm -hmm. sounds awesome next time yeah speaking of which bucket list items for the next time if you're so lucky to go to london where would you go well we didn't get to notting hill which i'm sad about oh you gotta go i need to go and just take a bunch of pictures like you said before like anytime someone asks me for recommendations for a destination the number one thing i tell them is just walk yeah like no itinerary, find a neighborhood and walk. Mm -hmm. Here's a great neighborhood to check out. Boom. That's what we love doing where we'll kind of pick a neighborhood and maybe have, like when we went to Violet. Like place you're walking towards. We're walking to Violet and we're just seeing whatever we see along the way. Yep. And then from there you say, okay, let's walk over there and then see what we see on the way. Yeah. And it's the best. Yeah. And I think a lot of your time in London is spent on the tube just Mm -hmm. because it's easy. It's... Yeah. Really simple, it's cheap, it's affordable. Which, speaking of that, I wanted to say their subway system is probably the best I've ever used. Yes. It's so easy. And you had a lot of good information in your blog post about their Oyster card. Yes. Um, Did you guys get one of those? We did. And it was so easy that we took the subway from the airport almost all the way to our Airbnb because we, our flight, it was a red eye, so we got in in the morning, and we're like, well, we can't check into our Airbnb until mm-hmm. the afternoon. We literally have nowhere to be. So let's just save money instead of getting an Uber or whatever. Let's just take the tube, and we'll, it'll, like, be practice for us. So we took it all the way to the Shoreditch stop, and then we had about a mile that we walked with our suitcases mm-hmm. to the Airbnb. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, that was so it's easy. It's like, why aren't all cities set up like this? <laughs> yeah, it'd the be best. Nice. Um, yeah, so if you're going to London, definitely get an Oyster card. Um, you can buy them at most of the tube stops, but if you're coming out of the airport, it's normally right there. Like, it's an option yeah. when you're leaving the airport. It's... If you're mm-hmm. taking the tube, there's going to be those little stands. You can buy one. Um, and you basically can load it up whenever you want. Um, what I found really interesting is that you can actually... There's a max for every day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for, you know, if you're a commuter every single day, that's awesome. Because if you live on the opposite side of the city, no matter how far you're going, you're going to stop at a certain cap. Okay. Um so if you have a jam-packed day of sightseeing, don't worry too much about how often you're going on and off the tube because 
let me just double check what the amount is. But at the end of the day, you know you're not going to spend over that amount because, um, yeah, it's just, it, it stops you. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other recommendations before we go to, like, more bucket list stuff? Um, I don't think so. I was your, just going to say... Your blog post, though, is, like, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's just say, just check out my blog yeah. post. We'll link to yeah. your post and my post. So you want to go to Notting Hill when you go back. Yeah. And then I wrote down Fat Tire Bike Tours because when we were in Paris, we did... Yeah, you did that, right? Their um, Versailles tour, which was the best. Yeah. Um, but Fat Tire is actually an American company that does bike tours in European cities. And they do have London ones. So they have, like, a pub crawl one. That's cool. Or one to see all the kind of, like, you know, the castle and... Or what do they call it? Is it called a castle? What? <laughs> Having a brain fart. Where what? all the royal people live. The castle. Oh, yeah. Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah. the palace. <laughs> the- yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they call them castles, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's something I want to try to do in a lot more European cities because it is a really great way to see a lot of... Oh, one yeah. time. And it's not as dorky as, like, a Segway tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. At least that, yeah. Um, so we like them. And then we did get to go to Salisbury and Stonehenge, which was great. But I would love to get to Bath. And then seeing your pictures from the Cotswolds. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm destined to go there at some it point. It is. I can feel my soul yearning for it <laughs> when I look so at those pictures. legit. <laughs> so... Yeah, we we went to the Cotswolds and Bath and um, Oxford. And honestly, Oxford really blew me away. Definitely Mm -hmm. don't overlook Oxford because it's more than just a college. Like, this, the city around... I didn't even realize how big it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. It's right by lakes and rivers and stuff. So if you, like, go slightly off path, you're, like, all of a sudden this, like, lush English countryside... Yeah. Luke would like run around and like take <laughs> pictures and be like, look what I found. And then we'd like go find that later. Uh-huh. Anyway, did go to the Cotswolds. You do have to drive to go around the Cotswolds. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, no. So let me just say something, folks. Okay. Driving on the left side, terrifying. Oh, no. But not as terrifying as the narrow roads that yeah. are in the Cotswolds. The small little villages where you have these narrow roads and then you have a roundabout that's about the size of a, um, like a tire and your roundabout is like, you're, you're constantly like checking to make sure no one's coming, but the roundabout is so small. You're like, and you're Mm -hmm. off. Anyway, because these cities were not made for cars. No, absolutely not. These cities are really freaking old. I, I, I have to say, if you aren't going to drive to the Cotswolds, if you're going to take the bus, situ- there are bus routes, I'm sure, okay. that you yeah, can look into. Yeah, there probably are. But just one thing I felt when I went to the Cotswolds was how beautiful these places are, how, like, perfectly preserved they've been, but people live there. Mm-hmm. This is someone's home. Yeah. There's someone who's been living here their entire life, and now all of a sudden, because of Instagram or whatever... Uh-huh. It's being flooded by tourists. Now, I'm sure these tours have existed for a long time, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's more people like us who have seen them online. Yeah. That are drawn to go visit them. And I was just blown away. I was like, someone lives here. Right. 
Someone <laughs> actually lives here. In this fairy tale in town. In this little fairy tale town. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they are probably so annoyed by the fact that right. I am here. That's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was constantly just trying to like check myself to make sure that, sure, take your photo, but don't spend like 20 minutes outside of this guy's house trying to get the perfect picture because yeah. it's his house. Right. <laughs> like, stop. So anyway... It's yeah. so adorable, though. There's no place like it. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't make logical sense that it still exists. Yeah. Because here in America, we're obsessed with new buildings. We're obsessed with, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But an old building to us is like my house that we're sitting in, which is right. from 1895. <laughs> right. But that's like so new. <laughs> so in terms old of, yeah. for America. Yeah. But anyway, definitely well, go to Cotswolds yeah. for sure. Just you're going to be blown away. Mm-hmm. But driving there... Good when, luck. <laughs> when I see the pictures of it, I feel like I want to just lay down in a field and and die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'll just like retire this is now. Where I, yeah. This is where my soul yeah. needs to be. And now that I'm here, my life can end. <laughs> so, and I feel like when you visit those places too, you're like, what I wouldn't give to just experience this for a year of my life. Yeah. Just like a year of mm-hmm. living like this because there's no grocery store. Oh, yeah. Why do you... There's, like, one... Is there, like, a little market? Sometimes. Like, butcher? Sometimes. Is there a uh, milkman? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're just there. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, you have a car, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it's a different the life. The life there must be so different, especially, mm-hmm. like, when you compare to London, even. Yeah. Which isn't that far away, but... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. London. Cool. Well, I think that... Yeah covers a lot yeah i think we can put a cap on the london stuff yeah oh wait we have to get our listener question slash voicemail okay not get this pulled up in time let's probably do a short one yeah yeah if you have one in mind let's just do it i think i was thinking this one for you Okay, this one's good okay is that an easy one yeah okay okay so the question is how the heck do you decide where to go in the world? By This is from tool underscore 89 on Instagram. Um, I mean, you guys go somewhere <laughs> every summer. Like, do you have a, a process you go through? I think so. To decide where you're going? I don't really have a bucket list, like an actual list of like things I want to do before I die. I feel like that's pretty morbid, but... I think I just have an ongoing mental list in my head of experiences I want. Not really places, but experiences. So Mm -hmm. I definitely want to go to every major continent. So that's something that might pull me to look into Asia or Africa or wherever. Yeah. Um, I also, like, have always loved cultural experiences. So, for example, um, to go to Morocco, like, I really want to learn about how to make a tan, like, the great tangine that everyone talks about Mm. when you go to Morocco. We want to go to the Sahara Desert. So those sort of experiences guide my decisions more than, I don't know, I guess, like a list of like, I want to go skydiving or something like that. But I guess I have an ongoing mental list, but nothing an actual list list that I feel like I need to get checked off. Well, like, how did you decide where you're going this summer? Part of it is Portugal for Dame Traveler. Yes. So that's sort of guided this summer, but that's sort of unusual. I've never had that before. Mm -hmm. Um, Flight, like, the affordability of flights. Sometimes I just do a Google flight search. I choose an approximate date that we're flying out, and I just see, like, 
what what are my options? Mm -hmm. And that's pretty, that's an amazing feeling because you can see, oh, if I wait a week or so, I can go to, I don't know, Ethiopia for, I don't know, X amount of dollars. But Mm -hmm. that feels really awesome. And then from there, you can sort of tailor like, what sort of experiences would I want to have in this destination if it's affordable? Um, So affordability of flights and just like a mental list I have of cultural things that I want to do in my life which comes from reading it comes from reading Um, a lot of travel content and Instagram too like it's so easy to see where other people are traveling these days like definitely Portugal has been pretty popular lately Mm -hmm. a lot of my food blogging friends have been there and that's made me want to go there right I think a lot of people I don't want to get too far into this, but don't travel for photos, <laughs> please. Like, yeah. travel for experiences. Mm-hmm. Don't travel for the one picture you want to put on Instagram. Go yeah. for much more than that. Mm-hmm. So, a way of so deciding. So, you just kind of feel it out, and yeah. it just kind of falls into place. And, yeah, Luke and I will have discussions, like, wouldn't it be awesome to do... Right. da 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 mm-hmm. Or, what, what do you feel about doing this... One one day. Right. And we just have that mental list of things. And then if it pops up that it's affordable or we mm-hmm. have enough time to do that or yeah whatever, then we're going to move on it. Right. But that's because we also have the luxury of knowing that that time is ours to use, you know? Not right. everyone has that. Yeah, you guys are lucky because you have your summers just mapped out as a wide open playing spot to throw travel into and the average person doesn't right so if you're someone who works a job and you have like i don't even know like five days off a year to start Mm -hmm. then think about okay with that time including your flights including like the layovers and flight right time changes how -hmm. can you best use that time maybe Mm -hmm. you start out by going to i don't know death valley or arizona or somewhere in the states that's unlike any landscape you've ever seen. Yeah. And then from there you can say, all right, I've done that. Now I'm ready for the next big thing. But it's hard when you work. Like, it is hard. When you have a limited amount of personal days to use. Yeah, because like Robert and I, we have vacation days, but our long trips, we have all, we have the flexibility of taking unpaid time off but Mm -hmm. that's also something we have to budget in that we're taking unpaid days off of work so you can just do that willy-nilly like whenever you want because our vacation days get filled up so easily with um kind of more like family trips and taking extra days off around holidays to travel with family and things like that so these bigger trips we've taken our real privilege that we have that we've been able to do, but also the last couple of trips we've taken have actually happened because of other kind of work-related things. Right. So, like, the trip we took to London was we were going to photograph his cousin's wedding, so we turned that into a bigger trip because, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going all the way over there, we're going to stay for a bit. And then about six months after that, so last spring, we went to Germany, and it was the same thing where Robert had a work mm-hmm. opportunity there. So we turned that into a slightly longer trip. I think we were gone for about 10 days. Yeah. Um, so that was an opportunity. And actually, like, for both of those trips, Robert's um, flight was covered. Right. So, so you have expenses. our expenses were a little lower. Yeah. I, I really feel like if you're trying to decide where the heck to go in the world, since that was our question, mm-hmm. ask yourself just, like, what experiences you want. And... 
while you're looking at a Google flight like situation where the world is open to you, ask right. yourself, what do I want to go to Paris? What would I do in Paris? And then mm-hmm. make your dream of what that Paris situation is. Yeah. And then do that for another destination. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it becomes this really inspiring decision where you have all these experiences that you want to have. Or these experiences don't have to be like, see, like go to the Louvre. It can literally be like, I want to have a pan of chocolat <laughs> and a coffee at a Parisian cafe. Yeah. And that's an excellent dream. It is. It's almost better than the Louvre. You know what I mean? Oh, it's definitely better yeah. than the Louvre. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have to be about, I want to see this, I want to do that. It's it's just mm-hmm. like, what do you want your time to look like? Like, who right. are you in Rome? Who are you in Japan? Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. So, this stuff, like, really makes me excited because I love planning for trips almost as much as going on the trip. So, yeah. which I think is like scientifically proven that a lot of the happiness from a trip or experience that you're excited about is actually the build up to it. Absolutely. So they tell you like plan something fun that you can look forward to mm-hmm. and it makes it even more enjoyable when you do get to it. And then the whole time leading up to it, you can think about it and be excited about it. Yes. I mean, again, part of my like overall happiness in life definitely comes from the fact that I know I have this time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know that you have plans to do something that you want to do. It's You're not for just me. sitting around thinking like, oh, I wish I did these things. Right. You're actively planning them and knowing that it's going to happen. And look at our friend Shannon. Um, Shannon works a job where she doesn't have the time that I necessarily have. She works a, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know how much time she has in a she given year. She has quite a lot of personal time. Yeah. But she does go on trips by herself all the time. And she just, she's also really good about doing those, like, Groupon trips. I think yes. she went to Ireland for four days with her mom, mm-hmm. which is a very short trip, but... It was something she could fit into her schedule, and it was a really good price. So they just did it. She does it. Yeah. And I commend her on that because if you have a limited time frame, or if you have a limited budget, there are options out there. Just, Mm -hmm. like, don't let that stop you from actually going. If Mm -hmm. you want to do it, do it. Yeah. And, I don't know, travel budgeting is really hard because, excuse me, everyone comes from a different situation, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to tell people, like, how to spend your money, but... Especially if, like, you don't even have money to cover all the things right. you have to spend it on. Right. Yeah, it can be So hard. it's all about, you know, where can you pinch pennies or can you get your flights covered for something or can you save points on a card or whatever right. it is. You know, there are yeah. ways to sort of, like, mm-hmm. fix the system for you. But anyway. Right. Cool. But, yeah. Um, before we get to recommendations, <clears throat> did you want to talk about those books and yeah, put oh, that yeah. into the London section? I did not mention these, but since we were talking about experiences, I'm, like, such a huge fan of getting books of your next destination that you're going to, or if you're just dreaming of going to a place. So I picked these up before we went to London. This book is called Londonopolis. It's a curious history of London. I love it because if you want, like, a very... Um, broad history of the city of London. This has so many cool little things all the way. I mean, anything you want to know about London, it has a chapter on that. So it goes through the different ages. So ancient London, medieval London, Tudor London, Enlightenment, Victorian, 20th century, um, secrets of like certain parts of London. And it's, it's a great way to get like a really good, just a, just a nice background 
of where we're going, nice little history, which always helps you understand a place more. And then this is called London Style Guide, which is more of a visual guide. Um, It has a bunch of shops and restaurants, and it takes you through the different neighborhoods, and it's a great photo book Mm -hmm. of... That's cool. Just, like, getting you excited for certain places. Definitely added some places to check out from this book. Um, And they recently updated it because it was an older book, but this came out, the updated version, I want to say, of course I can't find it, (laughs) came out um, 2016, so it's relatively new. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. London Style Guide and Londonopolis, so... If you're already going to London, you know. It's a good idea. Check those out. And you mentioned your books, right? Yeah, we'll link to all these in the show notes. Cool. All right, so recommendations. What do you have for us, Lara? My recommendation is Sarah Bareilles' discography. Just do it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You mean just her music in just general? Just her music. <laughs> I, was at a, I was at the grocery store by myself, I don't know, earlier this week. It wasn't this past trip because I was, like, in a whirlwind, but... Um, and I realized, like, uh, they played, uh, oh my god, I can't remember the song. Uh, King of Any, King of Anything. Anything? Oh my god. Robert was just playing that yesterday. I know every single word to that. So then I put on that, I put on just on shuffle, Mm -hmm. all of Sarah Bareilles' songs, and I know every single word. Yeah. And I know, like... It just reminds me of, like, singing in college with all of my friends because we would all, like, sing the whole album, completely memorized, yeah. harmonizing. My friend Amy looks very much like her. Yeah, so, So um, it makes me think of Amy, and it was just a great... It was a great moment because I was like, oh, my God, I haven't listened to this album in so long, and it's still so good. What is your favorite album of hers? Oh, God, I don't know. I have to look at it. But You've listened to her Waitress of course. Oh, soundtrack. Of course. Waitress the Musical. Um, so good. She's one of my favorites that I have. Yeah. I will just put her on shuffle when I'm in the car alone because she's very much in my range. She, so she's yeah. one of my favorites to sing along Same. to. <laughs> I feel like I, I love her work so much because it is in my range, too. It's like that mezzo yeah. voice. Okay. My favorite album of hers, though, probably is her live album. Yeah. Um, I love... Little Voice. I mean, Little Voice was the first album that she was like, Love Song was on. Right. And, but like, Gravity is one of Gravity my favorite so songs. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, Between the Lines, mm. Love on the I Rocks, Many the Miles. These are like such big hits. I used to have so <laughs> many like mixed CDs of her stuff. Um, I listened to her a lot in college, too. Yeah, she was she was a classic, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, her other albums are great, but Little Voice definitely, like, I know every, every yeah. word. It's sort of like when, you know, you you don't listen to a certain artist or album for a while, and then somehow it pops up in your life, and you're like, oh my god, what a great yeah. time of my life. <laughs> so that happened, and I was like, that's my recommendation. Cool. I yeah. approve yeah. of her. Um, well, my recommendation... Yeah? ...is... Another skincare? No? I'm obsessed with that skincare stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, uh, I started watching Riverdale. Oh god. Have you watched it? (laughs) No! (laughs) I am so not into that, but anyway, no. Um, maybe because I just feel like it's too young for me. I don't know. It's... No, it's intense. It's Okay, okay. I would say... uh, I Isn't would, it a bunch of just hot teens making out with each other? 
Not really, actually. Okay. I mean, there is that, but it's way more involved. So Riverdale is based on the Archie comics, but it's like sexy, dark Archie comics. Okay. <laughs> Teenagers and stuff. But then the parents are all really hot as well. It's in Mark Consuelos in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... Which they purposefully took a lot of former teen hotties yeah. and made them the parents. Yeah. Um, like Luke Perry, who actually tragically away. just yeah. died. Um, like right after I started watching Riverdale, which is really weird. Um, so that's a real shame. So um, you're so isn't one of the Sprouse twins in this too? Yeah, Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse. Who, okay. So I actually was afraid to watch this show for the longest time because I knew I would get obsessed. And I you, am obsessed. You already knew you were going to be in trouble. I, I just, yeah. Well, it's on the CW. And, like, so Jane the Virgin is one of my favorite shows of all time. And it actually reminds me a lot of Jane the Virgin in the sense that um, it's just over the top. And it knows it is. It's very self-aware and kind yeah, of pokes kind of fun campy. at itself. Yeah. It's very campy. Um, I actually think you might like it. Um, okay, I need to open my mind. I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, but it's way darker than Jane the Virgin. Um, like, it actually, some of the episodes really stress me out. But I feel like everyone in it is really good. Everyone is so beautiful. Like, when I first started that's watching what, it. Yeah, that's why I'm like, kind of hesitant. Because I'm like, they're all way they're too hot. so pretty. It's like Gossip Girl, but yes. darker. So, exactly. Like, people are saying it's kind of like an updated Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen Twin Peaks, so that's not my frame of reference. I would describe it as Gossip Girl meets Desperate Housewives. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm loving it. I actually watched, I just recently finished season two, which is how far it goes on Netflix. And season three doesn't come out on Netflix until like the beginning of May. So I just started making Robert rewatch all of it with me to make <laughs> him watch it. So we're going through it now. Um, season one's short. It's only like 13 episodes, but then season two is longer. Um, so you found yourself a new show. Oh my God. I love it. And then I'm also like part of what makes me love a show the way I love Jane the Virgin is when I love the cast members and they all love each other and get along and have like interesting relationships. So like Lily who plays Betty and then Cole who plays Jughead are dating in real life, which mm-hmm. is fun. Um, and they're just interesting. They follow, I follow them all on Instagram. I'm just... <laughs> I'm obsessed. But then, to help me with my obsession, I started listening to a Riverdale podcast. Of course. <laughs> and it's called... <laughs> so this is part of my recommendation. It's called Dial M for Maple. It's the AB... I don't understand the reference. Um, Riverdale, the town, is known for their maple syrup trade. So, I don't know. It's called Dial M for Maple, but it's put out by the AV Club. It's their Riverdale recap podcast. And honestly, there's nothing super special about this podcast. It's just kind of your typical recap show. But I enjoy the hosts of it and the way they get into the nitty gritty. And they honestly love the show, even though they are critical of it at times. They do really love the show. Mm -hmm. But part of what I love about the podcast is at the end of each episode... They talk gossip about the cast members yeah. and talk about what they saw on their Instagrams and stuff. So it kind of feeds that yeah. part of the enjoyment for me. But I am just, I'm real obsessed. I love it. I'm glad you found something. I know. I'll keep an open mind. I'll try it. Give it a try. I would say give it a couple episodes in the first season. Um, but then season two is like a lot darker than season one um, and intense. 
but it's good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me know if you like it. I will. I will. I will. Okay. All right. Well, this was a long one, (laughs) (laughs) which we keep saying every time. We have a lot to talk about. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks for joining. If you're loving the podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Every review helps us with the annoying iTunes algorithm. So, our dear 20 listeners. Yes. (laughs) And I did add us to Stitcher and Google Play and TuneIn. Oh, yeah, and Spotify. So, um, if you have a favorite podcast player and you're not finding us, please let us know and we'll do what we can to get us on there. Yes. Although, I guess if you're listening to this, you would have found us. <laughs> or maybe you're playing on the website. I don't know. True. But anyway. Yeah. But let us know. Yeah. And then um, send us questions about anything about food, travel, anything we've talked about, comments. Um, you can email us, hello at passportsandpizza.com. Reach out to us on Instagram, Passport mm-hmm. Pizza Pod. You can also leave us a voicemail at 717-964-0215. All of our show notes with the links and everything that we mentioned from this episode can be found on our website at www.passportsandpizza.com. Go check it out. And if you want to see what we're up to in our day-to-day life, give us a follow on Instagram. I am at Sarah with no H underscore Cornelius underscore. And Laura is at Rome and Golightly. And that is R-O-A-M. So give us a follow on there. And last but not least, a big thank you to my bro, Will Gingrich, for our theme music. And we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. Let's have a cup of tea outside <laughs> in the garden. No. <laughs> you do it. How would you no, do I feel it? like I would see it now. I feel like a pressure would do it really well. Well, it's going to be better. Okay. It doesn't have to try very hard. Let's have a cup of tea out on the garden. Okay. That sounds good. That's very, like, toned down. That's more like, you know. Yeah. But what about, like, all right, let's have a cup of tea out in the garden. <laughs> like, like Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. Yeah.